Hey, it's Bill Simmons. We're not just reacting to the NBA playoffs on my podcast. We're also doing it on the Ringer NBA show and the Mismatch podcast. They are coming after some of these NBA playoff games. Check it out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights on the Ringer Podcast Network. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I'm Sean Fennessy, and this is the Prestige TV Podcast. Today, we're talking about the fifth episode of the third season of Barry, and we're doing so with the star and co-creator of the show, Bill Hader. Let's dive into our chat. We're back with Bill Hader. We're talking about Barry season three, episode five, crazy time shit show. (laughs) The titles are good. Uh, The first thing we hear in this episode is a gunshot and we cut back to Afghanistan and then we, we see Albert who we haven't seen in a while. And Albert is, is, is back. Yeah. When you're making an episode like that in, in season two, where you're kind of exploring and explaining Barry's past, do, when, and you cast the actor to play somebody like Albert at that time, are you like, this guy's going to be with us for a long time, so we got to make this right? Or is this something that you just realize you got to go back to where you started? No, you know, while we were shooting stuff with James, who plays Albert, he was so funny and he was such a great guy and a really great actor that that scene that the flashback of, we were shooting that scene, actually, of him being shot in Afghanistan. And Alec Berg and I were talking and we both were like, man, what if at one point he's, you know, an FBI guy who who's looking for Barry and, you know, he's he's the FBI. The FBI is called in to solve Janice Moss's murder. What if it's him? And we both kind of like, ooh, and like, you know, put it in our pocket, you know, just kind of was it was always a thing in the back of our head, you know, like down the road. So that again first day of writing was like Albert comes back, you know, like revenge army, Alec comes back, no acting class, you know, all that was up on the board. Before we get away from that, I have to ask you about the cop in that scene who we saw previously when Hank was describing the Raven. And he has that moment where he says, my patience was here yeah, and now it's here. Cool. And then in this Very episode, 
he's so funny where he says, call me Big Cat. And then as, yeah. as Albert's leaving the room, he says, welcome aboard Tough Turf. Tough <laughs> what, Turf what? is the thing my dad said. My dad used to say, he, my dad coached our, uh, our, our, uh, our, my sport team, you know, like baseball and football and basketball. He would, he was always a coach and that was a thing. He'd be like, all right, Tough Turf. <laughs> what does Chicago. that mean? I have no idea. I still have no idea. And when I said it on the side, I go, call him Tough Turf. And Gary went, um, like, he was like, oh, like, it's Tough Turf. Like, he, he wasn't saying it like a name. He was like, glad you're back here on the Tough Turf. Like, he thought <laughs> I meant that. And I go, no, 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 like, Tough Turf's a name. And everybody was like, what are you talking about? And I go, no, 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 it, it's you never heard that? No. And I was like, oh, my dad used to say that all the time. Um, but Gary Krause was in documentary now. He was um he was in my favorite episode of documentary now, the the eye doesn't lie, the thin blue line one. He plays a cop in that and he is so insanely funny. And he has my favorite line of an entire series, which is if I was Don's lawyer, I would have told him to cool it with the chocolates. That was <laughs> the way he delivered it, the whole thing just kills it like crying, laughing. Um, and he's just a wonderful, 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 wonderful guy from Ohio. And so now, man, I, anytime, you know, we could get him, we, we get him. (laughs) He's hilarious. Uh, also hilarious, but in a, in a more grim way is the, is Sally's saga with Joplin in this episode. Gotta say hot topic in the world of Hollywood, the idea of an algorithmicized machine that determines what is and is not viable content in 2022 uh can you just talk walk me through creating banshee incredible name for network by the way um and this whole story i think emily heller came up with the name banshee um and new medusas that was also emily heller um (laughs) so great um yeah i think that was just kind of like oh it'll be funny to have this this place that she feels like is very important to her because it's a it's it's like you have to make it a place that would be perfect for sally and what she wants to do and they do allow her to do the things she wants to do which is make her personal story so it was a perfect kind of home for her and um but you know it it doesn't matter who's running the place or what the face of it is it's the algorithm is the is the important thing and I honestly, I will say this aspect of the sh- of the story this season was something I d- had no real, um, I'd never have dealt with in that world. So it was definitely something more from the other writers. And and I think Alec Berg and his time working at Silicon Valley just knows so much about these things. So the whole thing about like taste clusters and vectors and all that was all like, I'm just in the writer's room going like, so what is it? You know? <laughs> And, but it came from, I can say I had a friend who had a show, um, on Netflix. I won't say who, cause, but it, because it was a sad story, but had a show on Netflix and I was like, I can't wait, you know, when's it come, told me that when it came out and everything. And, and he, he texted me a picture, like we're on the homepage and it was like, Oh my God, congratulations. I'm going to watch it tonight. And by the time I got home to watch it. I had to type in the whole, it was just gone. And I was searching for it and I go, Hey, what is it still here? I'm still looking for it, you know? And he, and, and that was the first time I heard like, yeah, apparently 
the algorithm didn't like it, <laughs> you know? And, and so it, it wasn't that long. It wasn't like 12 hours. It might've been like a day or two or something where I was like, Hey man, where is it? You know, um, to be fair. But, um, but I just thought that was interesting because we wanted Sally's story emotionally to be a, a, a rise and fall, you know, a kind of a, she gets everything she wants. And then to Amy Gravitt's note from the last episode, when I wanted it to be Sally at her premiere yelling about Pam and I went, oh, I don't know why this doesn't work. Amy Gravitt the, at HBO said, you know, I think maybe it's, you want to see her do everything right and the show be good. And then it's not her fault at all that the show gets canceled. That's this other thing. Um, and that was right because with her going off on Pam, it seemed like the show getting canceled was now her fault. You know, it was like her being an asshole or her getting too full of herself. And so, yeah, you know, we were, uh, that, that's kind of, I just, it's really funny. Yeah. The whole, I think Alec and I were just talking about that in the room and I was like, well, what is it that they love? And it's like people eating desserts, Dave Patel, New York, <laughs> Central Park. Like, I don't know if any of that's true, but that just seemed like stuff that might be something that people like, like that they would know. And that, uh, yeah, new Medusas fits, fits the bill, bill a little bit better than, you know, the other thing. So, well, Honestly, at the risk of revealing too much, like I work at Spotify, this is a company that uses this kind of data to make decisions. Yeah. Like there is a lot of truth to what's in it. Like on the one hand, when I was watching that scene, I was like, this is actually a pretty broad, like as a joke, the idea of the show being canned after 12 hours. But on the other hand, on the same day that I watched it, CNN Plus shut down yeah, after like 13 days. That's what I'm saying. Like that's like there. Yeah. Some a reviewer or interviewer said the same thing to me who had seen this episode and was like, I just thought that was a little bit like too broad capital S satire type thing. And I was like, but it happened. Like it happened. It's to happening. Yeah. It's happening. I'm like, that's a good example of like, well, we can do this joke because it happened. Like I know, I know it happens, you know? Um, I kind of learned that at South park. You know, like, believe it or not, it was always like, you know, we would kind of go off on like dumb tangents and stuff about stuff that it was like getting all the crap out of our system of the dumb ideas or the overly offensive, stupid, easy ideas. And then you would get to the thing that's like the truth. And it's like, and it would always come from, oh, this is an actual thing that happened, you know, and I think great satire on some level, you know, like Dr. Strangelove is crazy, but a lot of that is true. You know, there were people, you know what I mean? Like it could happen and that's why it works so well. And it's timeless to me. That's two Kubrick references in two episodes for you. I'm just going to put that. Yeah, in man. One of my faves is Barry Lyndon coming up in the next episode. Oh, Maybe yeah, 2001. I'll, I'll figure, out, I'll figure out how to get them all in there somehow. Okay. That sounds good. Um, speaking of satire, I really liked the, the Gene storyline in this episode and the idea of the apology tour, which mm -hmm. along the same lines is kind of like the algorithm machine in Hollywood, the apology tour and why yeah. are people apologizing mm -hmm. is a really interesting through line for him. Can you tell me about that and, and the writing of that storyline? Well, that again was kind of the, um, in the bit in those reshoots where it was like, Oh, 
he was going to apologize to um, Joe Montana, um, and then uh, and then it was like, oh, maybe this should be like we have no other scenes of him really. It's just in the episode as written, it was like he shows up at Joe Montana's house, and that that whole scene was like a perfect example of leading with comedy and leading with a set piece and it not needing to be one. Like, I hate to admit this. There was a version of that where everybody took ketamine and, and they were all like on drugs and it was like really, really stupid. But that's kind of what I mean by the South Park thing. It's like, you have to get that out of your system <laughs> and then go, wait a minute, this is dumb. You know what I mean? But you, you go there to, to do it and write it and then wrote another version of it that we shot that just wasn't right. Um, that was again, just too jokey. And we thought it was so funny, but the emotion wasn't there. So, so much of this is the simplicity of Gene and, and Laura Sangiacomo says in an episode, it's like, you're apologizing to feel better about yourself. You, you don't actually mean this. So Henry is such a good actor. He understood when he, when he apologizes to that showrunner who has a great reaction. I thought he just did that. I thought it was so great. Um, for throwing hot tea in his face on murder. She wrote, I, I <laughs> Henry kind of just instinctively knew, like, he's like, I'm going to walk over and like, Hey, this is all right. I feel great now. The way he sits down, you know, yeah, he sits, exactly. He like kind of snuggles into his director. Yeah, chair. Now he's like, That's Hey, great. that was all right. Apologizing felt okay. Now I'm loved. You know, I made someone like that person loves me now. You know, he didn't even remember throwing hot tea in the guy's face. He doesn't give a shit, you know, and giving his son that house, I think does matter to him. But you're, I mean, that to me was, was more of, of a, like, you know, ignoring the fact of where did that money come from? <laughs> you know, you're just kind of like, dude, I don't know if the, it's the best idea to teach Chechen drug money and, and buy a house. <laughs> you should ask where that money is from, you know? Uh, but you know, so that, and that I, I feel okay saying that cause that doesn't like lead to anything. It was just like a funny thing that, you know, Barry gives him all that money and feels bad. Um, but yeah. So by the time you do get to the Joe Montana scene, it was kind of saying like, you know, just play this straight and for what it should be. And, and the comedy, bits will feel organic you know so and a lot of the stuff that's funny in that scene is from joe montana and a lot of it he improvised his his reaction just the the, the look on him went after the laura san giacomo kind of showdown and before when she leaves dinner is is he's he's priceless no and he's just ah fuck. i like it when <laughs> it was act it was written but he says it so well where where gene basically paraphrases this um because we talked a lot about um in the writer's room, the Flannery O'Connor story, uh, a good man's hard to find. And, and, um, the misfit, I don't know if you've ever read that story, but no, it's fantastic. The but the, there's a, a line in, it, and I'll paraphrase it is like, um, cause I, everyone should go read that story. It's, it's kind of, it's a big influence on the show. I mean, you want to talk about tonally, you know, um, it, you know, it's basically like, Oh, that person, would be an amazing person if they had a gun held on them all day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if you're being threatened to be killed, then you can suddenly, uh, be the human being you're supposed to be. Um, 
on some level, but you should see the story. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. Read, read it. But, um, but anyway, he kind of says that. And then uh, Joe Montana goes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe recalling his days working with Mamet or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, Mamet pulled the gun on him once. Uh, but <laughs> I just thought it, I mean, he's just a lovely guy. And Laura is just lovely too. I mean, she's just such a, an amazing actor and, Great. You keep plucking all these people this season out of our out of our memory banks, our movie and TV memory banks. You know, with yeah, Annabeth Gish and Thomas. Her. I can't, I can't really take a lot of credit for that. That Sherry Thomas, our casting director, going like, you know, who I've always loved is Laura Sandy Como, and I think she'd be great in this. You know, because I'll describe what I, you know, think the character is, and I'll say, you know, I think Annie's kind of, you know, New York you know, experimental theater in the seventies, you know, and then didn't met Jean. They had a relationship and then he blackballed her. And now she's just been teaching art and yeah. And in, in LA and maybe been married and divorced and everything. And she went, Oh, what about Laura San Diego? She'd be phenomenal. And she was, she, di- she dated Willem Dafoe in the seventies for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if she did for sure, but, but that idea, <laughs> um, you know, speaking of a good man, it's hard to find. Person we don't see that much in this episode is Barry. This is is this yeah. the least amount of Barry we've ever seen in an episode of Barry? Yeah, yeah, that that tends to happen a lot, and then we kind of go, "Wow, Barry's not in the episode a lot." We should probably figure out how to get him back into the episode. But um, it just felt like those other characters more. You know, Barry's storyline this episode is essentially like trying to. You know, in, in the reshoots, we added that scene of him going to Hank and Cristobal for relationship advice. And that, and because we had shot that scene with me and Sally on the couch where I say, like, you know, here's all the things I could do for you. But um, it felt like there was no pay, there was no uh, setup for it. It kind of came out of nowhere. And so when we were in the edit, um, Frankie Gutman and Allie Greer and you know we were all sitting there talking about it and and it just was like you know maybe it'd be nice if and I thought well what maybe it'd be nice if if Hank gives him this idea because we had that that scene of Barry looking at them at the end of four going like well that's kind of like a real loving relationship so my mind it made sense that then he would then go to them for relationship advice even though he killed all their buddies and you know but he he could you know, have that conversation with them. And then it turned, I think, into a really funny scene, but it gave him the idea then of like, I'll expose myself, you know, I'll, I'll show a little bit more of myself to her. And then his, his way of doing it was to make a collage. Um, and it's like uh, a sixth grader. It's crazy. Like a sixth grader, but you know what that's from? Do you know where, do you get the reference in that? I don't no. know. I'll tell it, and then this kind of ruin, this might ruin the fun. But it's from the movie Thief. Um, oh, Michael of Mann course. Where, yes, when he makes where, his pin board. Yes, he has his pin board, and if you see the picture of Willie Nelson, is the same picture of Willie oh. Nelson. So that's our little like. That's because Duffy Boudreaux, who I grew up with, who writes on the show, we both always thought that was really funny because I remember we were watching Thief when we were teenagers, and then he's like this is what I care about. And we just started laughing really hard. <laughs> we were like, Wait, Does he actually like, oh, show it to Tuesday Weld in the movie? Yeah, Isn't yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what I want. And it was just, we just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what is he, like, five? 
But and doesn't it, it seem like something Michael Mann would have done? Like, doesn't it seem like Michael Mann yeah, probably did something similar? Just kind of like a he does it also in Collateral a bit too, where he like it's like it's like a screenwriting thing of like here's a, everything that matters to this character visually mm. instead of them saying it. I'll have them have a collage that he carries around, and uh, I just <laughs> we always thought that was funny, so it was like, oh, Barry will make that for her. So that actually cut together pretty well because me putting the collage down for her and being kind of stoked about it and her coming in, I'm looking up. Those, those are like, that's like six months apart. You know, that's, uh, we shot that early in the schedule, I feel like, or maybe four months apart. But it's, there's like a, a big gap between those two things. It's just interesting to kind of take him out of the mix a little bit and then the one of the you know we only see him really in that department store and then the conversation with hank and cristobal and then that moment at the end where he's kind of explaining what he can do as yeah, you said he, and yeah and then when he's uh, coming home with the groceries and you right, right you know and but yeah his storyline is basically that episode is is was even flatter uh, before the reshoots but it, it became about like how do i I need to win Sally back by showing a little bit of, of who I am. And then it, it turned into that scene on the couch, which I thought, mm. was, I thought that scene came out pretty good. It's a pretty, pretty great. It, it made me think of, I don't know if you've seen this yet, the card counter. And I was like, was Oh yeah. And Abu Ghraib. Like, yeah. 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 I, it just, it was funny just to like, I, the first time I did it, like when I, it was much more kind of factual, like I was just saying it factual. And then, Duffy and Alec were like, oh, you should say it like sweet, you know? It's 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 kind of like the Glendary Glenn Ross sequence. It was like, oh yeah, this is this is good. <laughs> yeah. It it reminded me a lot of you reading the Glengarry Glenn Ross speech in the first season, you know, where you're like, yeah, why is he so chipper? Yeah. He doesn't Yeah, just that he yeah, Duffy had that line of uh basically you plant a seed and they hang themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. pretty good um we introduced the the motocross racing siblings of taylor yeah in this episode uh who are not interested in fuchs's offer until mention is made of the hot tub what a, a little mini action sequence unto itself the sound and the like abrasiveness yeah. of that scene is awesome yeah that's a guy one of the stunt drivers i uh clay that's his place so that's where all those guys go and, and train and practice and stuff. And they're all real motocross, like stunt drivers. And then, uh, uh, you know, Alec uh, and Darren, the DP, yeah, they just did a really cool job with that sequence. Like how fast they're getting to Steven is kind of nerve wracking. I just, I, and so, yeah, and I, I thought it was really, really, really well done. And then, um, and Steven's really funny. And then, yeah, you, and, I mean, that's the thing with the show is t- in our minds, because we're living with it every day, everybody remembers the hot tub. And it's like, no one remembers the hot tub. So it's like, <laughs> thank God for previously ons, because, you know, the hot tub, it's like, wait, what? And it's like, oh, it was one joke in, episode, in season one <laughs> of, <laughs> of Taylor just wanting a hot tub up by and bring up, we'll yeah, have some chicks up here and all this. But yeah, that he would go to his family. And then it was also interesting to us that if you really got serious, like Barry didn't kill Taylor and he didn't actually kill Ryan Madison, but it was just the, again, it doesn't matter. It's like the implication of it, you know, like 
I, we thought that was interesting, you know, because sometimes we did have people going, well, he didn't kill, he didn't, t- he was supposed to kill Ryan and he was going to actually till, kill Taylor at one point, but he didn't do either of those, you know. Um, but I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I also love the idea of using Albert as this figure who knows a little something about the circumstances, but also has great instincts and mm-hmm. the Raven task force and the idea of almost breaking that up in real time, which leads to this pretty incredible. So I guess it's a raid. It's sort of like all three of the forces converging on each other. Yeah. And that was also, you know, Darren Tiernan shot that. Um, and then Wade Allen stunt coordinator. And then, uh, Eric Schoonover, our production designer. I mean, that whole that whole setup and having to have like the parking garage there was solely for that raid scene because we wanted Batir to be on top, like with the elders, and then you see it all go to shit with them on the them seeing it. Um, I've never seen that before, like a perspective shot of a major action sequence overhead uh, like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, in my mind, we're ripping off Road Warrior. It's uh, when they're on top and he has the big telescope and he's watching the, you know, the fortress being attacked by. Oh, okay. And that okay. was the visually what what I kept saying. You know, it's it's Road Warrior where he's on top. He's got the long telescope and he's kind of sussing out like, um, you know, the the two factions are at war and everything. So I think. But again, that's one of those things like I remember being in the writer's room and, and initially it was going to be just a traditional action sequence. And then saying like being, we were just talking and being like, it might be funny if it's like it's just from one person's point of view, like whose point of view it's from. And then we thought, oh, what if it's Batir? And he's got the elders on the phone. And then it was like, oh, if he's like way far away and he's filming it and you see it all go to shit, that could be pretty funny. Um, but now Alec and Darren did a great job with that, but I just, in the meetings and stuff, I think I said road warrior, road warrior, like ad nauseum, and then showed the scene to everybody like, you know, it's this, you know? Um, and, um, I think I just got on everybody's nerves (laughs) as usual. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it's a great choice. You could have claimed credit for the originality, you know, like, no, 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 it's totally in my mind, just completely ripping off road warrior. Um, but it has a comedy thing to it. And you got Michael Ironside there, which is kind of cool. And I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. He's, it's really funny cameo. Yeah. Michael Ironside, like this is crazy time shit show. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one of those sequences that, you know, there's a lot of planning and it's really hard. And then you see it and you kind of go like it, you know, it's all from afar and everybody's <laughs> like, are you, you're not going to go down there to see the, you know? Yeah we're having real stunts and shit going on and it's like, no, it's not as interesting. It should be far away, you know? Um, So at the end of this episode, when you look back at everything that's happened, you've got the Chechen plant heroin farm is blown up to shit. You've got Hank and Cristobal effectively, you know, been separated because Elena has arrived and now yeah, Hank now is on the reshoots. run. That was another thing we did. I mean, how dumb are we? We didn't even set that up that she arrived. You just saw them show up. Well, you did it pretty yeah. economically with her just getting off the plane, though. That works really well. Yeah, that was definitely something where we were in the edit and Ellie Greer was like, um, do you not have Elena arriving and saying we need to go to the 
like that's the shit when you're writing you're like no man anybody would do that they should just show up that'll be interesting mm-hmm. and instead, it was just crazy confusing of like wait who are those people you know and then you found it out later and by having elena show up it was like oh we're all it actually gave it suspense where you see mm-hmm. she says it and then you see albert says we gotta go there and you're like oh shit these two factions are going to the same place you know but so we see that happen and obviously that's the end of something that was kind of beautiful in this in this series to date was their relationship and then obviously barry embarrassing himself by presenting psychological torture as an option to win his girlfriend back. <laughs> and Gene has just been told that he's only apologizing to make himself feel better. And so everybody on the show is at a down moment or a low moment. And then you conclude the episode with this kind of harrowing sequence in which Annabeth Kish and her son in the car have an accident with a gun yeah. in front of Barry, essentially, yeah. before pulling away quickly. I have, I've asked you about endings in the past, but man, this is like an expertly executed bummer of an episode. I mean, everybody is low at the end of it. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, that was, um, that was one that was always very dicey too, about like, where does he get shot? How, you know, like that, you know, you talk about the tone. That's one where you, you have to kind of go, okay, he gets shot, but it can't be like, you know, you get shot in the face or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gotta be, um, it's more of just the, her trying to take responsibility for something. And then, and then she takes responsibility for something else. That's way worse, you know? And, and, and that again, it's the kind of whatever, you know, each of these kind of stories hopefully have a different feel to them of the, the revenge army. Um, and that one, it was always like, well, this should be, really tragic and and again like that would happen she's never shot a gun before and they don't know what they're doing you know and and so it 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 just felt right but i remember annabeth gish calling and being like wait so i shoot my son and it's like what a (laughs) what wait what am i can you can you you know um and she has a son that age um and uh, with Wade Allen, her husband is our stunt coordinator. And, and so I, I think it is, it was, it was pretty hard for her, you know? Um, and I think she did a beautiful job and the idea that Barry's there and he kind of knows something's up, you know, it's, it's, it's really effective and kind of grounding for a show, you know, that kind of swings through the comedy and the violence and the yeah, drama. Yeah, that you just had that scene on the couch. That was kind of satisfying. We did a screening for the writers and you have that scene on the couch and it was getting like, everyone was laughing like really hard. We had like a big group of people in the end and edit bay watching the season. And, and, uh, and that, that scene was getting tons of laughs and then to go outside and then that happens and everybody just went, <gasps> you know, and they knew it was coming and they all just, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, so that was really satisfying, but it's honest as long as it's honest, you know, and it feels true and it's not gratuitous or something like that. It just feels again, you play to, to the emotion of it as a, as opposed to like, you know, some sort of, uh, cause there was a moment where it was like, you know, you get in these meetings and people are like, you know, we could shoot half his head off and it could be like, you look like there's a Bruder film. And it's like, what? No, no, guys, wait, stop. <laughs> 
you know, because everybody's like, well, the technology now, we can make it look pretty fucking grim. And it's like, no, I, 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 that's not what we're doing. Let's, let's stop, you know, because everybody <laughs> wants their work showcased, you know. <laughs> and so it's like, that's not the point of the scene. He's going to open up his jacket and there's going to be blood there. And people are like, isn't that kind of boring? Don't you want to, I mean, it's a close gunshot, isn't it? You know, and it's like, <laughs> no. You don't understand. Did you read the script? You understand what's happening? This is a horrible, horrible moment. Like, yeah, no, we can make it worse if, like, you know, the kids. And it's like, no, this isn't. What the fuck? You know? Like, <laughs> but those are the scene. Those are the moments you have. Like, and I get it because people want, you know, want their work to be seen. You know, and I think sometimes the sometimes people get like they're kind of bored. Where it's like, what? It's just like ketchup on his chest and it's like yes Stop. i'll say your your choice worked though you know you've yeah. you've left you've led us into another week on a sunday night of uh of of depression and angst so mission accomplished you're in, welcome in episode five <laughs> it's a, um, as we say a lot of times we'll shoot something and like that and then after a week you'll cut we all go comedy because <laughs> 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 it's just like oh brother we come to Barry for a barrel of laughs. Uh, that's been episode five. We're going to do this again next week. All right. See you soon. Thanks to Bill Hader. And thanks to our producer, Bobby Wagner, for his work on today's episode. If you dug this conversation, please join us next Sunday on the Prestige TV pod. Bill and I will be back to talk about the sixth episode of this season. I highly recommend this episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.